Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network the Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Well, hello again, Slurds. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is another kick-ass creator corner. This creator corner happens to revolve around a feller by the name of Frank Martin. You may not know Frank Martin yet, but I'll be goddamned if you don't by the end of this podcast. Frank Martin, he's created a book called Modern Godhood, and it is just... It was fantastic. I uh, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I've been anticipating reading it, and as I explained throughout the beginning of this podcast, you know, I fucking, uh, yeah, I I wait until the last minute to read it, so I've been waiting and waiting, and I finally got to read it. I finally did this interview, and mm, I just gush all over it. We get to learn all about Frank Martin, what his aspirations in the industry are, where he, what he comes from, what he's all about, and what, uh, modern godhood is, and where to find it, so... Without further ado, I bring to you a kick-ass creator corner with Frank Martin. All right, everybody, Frank Martin. Frank, how are you, man? I'm doing good, just kind of hanging out at home like everybody is these days. Yeah, man, um, I see that you're kind of in the epicenter of it all. You're, you're in... You're yep. in the big city. You're in New York, man. How's that? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I live right outside the city. Okay. The town you keep hearing about on on the news all the time is New Rochelle because the New Rochelle man, I guess, was patient zero for around here. Oh shit. Yeah, I live right next door to New Rochelle, so it's um. Oh boy. It starts to hit home when you hear about people you know getting sick and family members and stuff. So, but we're we're hanging in there. Right on, man. Well, you seem to have a nice positive tune to your tone, so that's uh, that's good to hear. It's hard not to when comic books is kind of in, ingrained in you. It's just something about comic books as a medium. It's just, it's, it uplifts people. It doesn't matter how dark or whatever your writing tends to be. It's just uh, it's just that good. So we're going to uplift this all and do the things that we do on this podcast, and we're going to talk comic books. Frank Martin, you are what I like to call an up-and-comer. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of credits under your belt, but from what I've read with Modern Godhood, you you, you definitely have a uh, 
uh, a future ahead of you. But before we get into what you're doing now, I kind of like to take a step back with these creators like yourself and figure out where the comic book stems from that, that, that is ingrained in you. So uh, were you reading comics as a kid? Yeah, I would say I got sucked into the whole marketing gimmick of Marvel's Ultimate line. Okay. So that was kind of the, the, the turning point for me. Where I read comics uh, sporadically as a kid, and then I picked up uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Maybe it was like 14, mm -hmm. I think I remember the exact issue. And that was the first time I read a book, and I'm like, I got to go back to the store and get the next one after this. It's funny. Bendis is the same writer that got me hooked on the comics, too. He was the same one. Yep. He was definitely my favorite writer when I first started. Really, when yep. when I got the itch and I uh, and I started my addiction of comics started snowballing. So, but yeah, the whole point of Ultimates was basically updating these characters in a new modern setting uh, and trying to reel in new readers, younger younger generation. And I was a sucker for it. I I, I ate up all those early Ultimate books. Nice, man. Um, so, uh, would you say that Bendis is your main influence? Because, I mean, I see that you kind of, with Modern Godhood, I mean, without giving too much away before jumping into that too much, it kind of has a superhero tone to it. But you are in the realm of indies. So, are you using indies to break into the big two? Or is that what you... I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself now. Or uh, are, are you... Uh, I mean... Uh, I'm... I'm I would say it's a dream, but it's not the goal. You know, okay. You can't do something simply because you have some other uh, idea in mind or some other goal down the line that you're you're striving towards. You got to do what you want now, based on what your interests are now and what your desires are now. So I certainly love making these comics. I would certainly love to reach a bigger audience, and of course, right for for Marvel and DC, I would love to make my mark on those characters the way other creators have in the past. But I can't. You can't really uh, create in the present with your eyes in the future because that's just no. That's you're not going to make what you want now if if that's your mindset. Well said, and uh, I'm I'm glad you did say that uh, uh, because that that really is an important important thing because a lot of the the creators I do talk to they jump right to oh, I'm just trying to get to write Superman or whatever. <laughs> what what I was trying to get uh, through uh, all of that jumbled mess of questions all, all like a hundred questions all melded into one <laughs> was funneling out to um essentially would you say that uh bendis writing superheroes is kind of i mean is that the tone that you still want to write because i like i said as an indie creator you have much more free reign and as modern godhood very much flexes the the, the free reign that marvel would never dabble with but um <laughs> and that's that's a good thing there's nothing wrong with that and we'll get into more of that for sure I love, but I love earlier bendis stuff i was a huge fan with him when i was a kid uh i have i don't i'm not a huge fan of some of his later work but mm -hmm. yeah definitely bendis millar those those early books from a decade right ago they, they're the ones who really um took superhero stories and upped the drama significantly made these really personal uh, character tragedies and and really interpersonal relationships as far as they had a whole huge saga with, with Disassembled and then Civil War and Secret right. Invasion and then Dark Reign was a huge great time and so they that whole that whole saga that whole span of almost a decade's worth of storylines is, is what I consider my the, the comics that I that I really resonated with 
Right on. Well, that, that that's awesome. It, it really. Uh, so, I mean, do you remember your first time picking up an indie book? First time picking up an indie. I mean, what what would you classify as indie though? Is is how how indie are we getting? Are we talking about? I mean, a- anything outside of Marvel or DC. Anything outside of Marvel or DC. Uh, I loved. I mean, Dark Horse really appealed to me because a lot of their um. They had a lot of IP characters, a lot of franchises, like they had Alien vs. Predator, and okay. they had a lot of Batman crossovers that they published, so so those kind of really sucked me in as a kid that was just kind of looking to, to, to uh, jump into other stories that I that we were familiar with. Gotcha. And, well, and it is much easier to jump into to stories where, you know, they are IPs that are already established, you know, if you're not sure who the hell XO Man of War is... You know, it's it, it might be hard to jump into that, but everybody and their not mom knows what Terminator and uh, fucking Transformers are, so that crossover on the shelf is going to sell blindly because everyone knows what that is. So I can see where you're coming from there for sure. But this is, I mean, we're talking now with how old was I? Like seven, eight? Oh, for sure. Older, and your tastes get a little bit more fine. Of course, I, I kind of I ventured off into more stories that were um that were definitely comic related that had nothing to do with uh, superheroes or nothing to do with uh, other IPs that were kind of branching out into different medium, just kind of completely original works by creators who I admired. Or you know what, eye candy. If it had a good cover and I was dreaming down, thank you. And it picked up. I, I, some of the best books I've ever read were something that I, I knew nothing about at all. That I'm just like, okay, it's number one. I guess I'll jump on. And I picked it up and I ended up loving. It. Yeah, man. Um, and I, and you know, they say don't judge judge a book by its cover, but I say that's bullshit with comic books, man. Um, absolutely judge a book by its cover with comics. You know, um, I wouldn't say if it's a bad cover, don't pick it up. But if it's a good cover on something weird that you wouldn't read, fucking pick it up. Because worse comes to worse, you got a piece of art in front of you for three or four bucks or whatever. Comic readers know what they like. So it's completely different with a novel where if you see the cover, it could be completely mm-hmm. different than what it is in the book and it's just something to draw you in. But a comic cover... A comic reader can see it, resonate with it, and and know what their tastes are. And they're saying, hmm, this is something that I'll definitely pick up a lot more than if it was just a regular prose story. Right, and at the same time, even if they don't necessarily, you know, th- that's the other thing, too, is uh, but the difference between a comic and a novel, obviously, is the fact that one can open it up and look at the visuals, and if the visuals don't strike them, then they say, okay, whatever. Not very often someone's going to, you know, open up a novel and read a few pages at least I don't know. I've never done that. I think you're weird if you do. But I'm not judging you. But I'm still gonna say you're weird if you do. <laughs> but um, you don't get that. Lo- you you do have that luxury with comics. And but the point is, is that I've con- or the cover could still draw you into making that decision. You, you know, if you open it up and say whatever, maybe the art's not for me. You still picked up that comic, and now that person is that much more aware of that comic and able to converse about that comic. And and it's just that's the importance of a good cover uh whether or not they pick it up they now have had it in their hand and you know have made some sort of uh you know a decision you know with their opinions or whatever so now they can like i said you know have a discussion with another person as to why or why not they may have picked it up and it all goes to a cover so yes judge a fucking comic by its cover I, I kind of have both perspectives here as a, as a prose writer that's written novels that, that have published a bunch of them. That even, even though you might have a, a novel that is completely original art, you paid an artist, you commissioned them, and they designed something from scratch, and it's a work of art on its own, it's, not, it's really not the same. And I'll admit that, that um, 
when a comic, a, a, a novel cover is a huge marketing device. It's a mar- it's a primarily a marketing device as opposed to a comic cover, which essentially is part of the book. You would never say that a cover by itself mm-hmm. is just something that you put out there in order to draw somebody in. It's essentially all the same thing. It's it's one big package. One would hope. Sometimes you you could be very misled by a cover. That's for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but. There's always exceptions to the rule. Exactly, exactly. But ideally, yes, you're you're right. You would like to think that the cover do, the cover does portray some sort of aspect of the storytelling in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I. All right, so let's talk about that. You started writing as a novelist. It sounds like. I would say when I first started my foray into writing, I was primarily driven towards prose, and that was just kind of an extension of. When you're in elementary school and middle school and you're in English class and they make you do writing assignments, they make you they don't make you write comics, they make you write uh, short stories and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was, as I kind of explored myself as a storyteller, I kind of offshoot uh, off of that and started writing my own prose stories. And somewhere down the line, uh, my love of reading comics and my love of writing stories converged and I started writing comics. Nice, man. Um, uh, so Modern Godhood is not your first comic? So Modern Godhood is, is a crossover of my earlier work, which is Modern Testament. Okay. Modern Testament is essentially a anthology series. I put out four (laughs) volumes, each with, with three, um, short stories apiece that I eventually collected into a trade that contained uh, 15 short stories, 15 uh, similar in format to the way Modern Godhood is. And Modern Godhood is a crossover with uh, Braden Cox's series Reclaiming Godhood. So Modern Testament, Reclaiming Godhood, to ah. Modern Godhood. And that's kind of how the book was born. Nice, man. Well, that's a cool coming together type of thing. Because it definitely feels like it's it's part of more than one thing when I read it. You know, you sent me... Uh, this, this, I'm assuming it's the first issue of Modern Godhood? Yeah, Modern Godhood's gonna be a one-off. Oh, okay, a one-off. Yeah, it's kind of a, so it's one shot, kind of, we're gonna have three short stories in the book, and with these, Modern Modern Testament, I, when I was done with the series, I, I loved it, but I didn't want to continue it by myself, just kind of writing these short stories, so I looked towards other indie creators that had characters that could definitely fit into this format as far as having them encounter other creatures from biblical mythology, whether it be angels or demons or, or the like. So my first one last year, I did a book called Hollow Testament, which was a, a crossover with Luke Cooper's Hollow Girl. And now we got Reclaiming uh, Godhood crossover, which is Modern Godhood, which it, it features Brayden's uh, character Jupiter, which is a, uh, a Roman god who is kind of seamless in the fact that we have two mythologies that are kind of crossing over here. We got biblical mythology, and uh, ancient Roman mythology. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I, I'm loving the idea of the crossovers, man. Uh, I, I like that quite a bit. I was immediately drawn to uh, to Jupiter right off the bat. As soon as I read him, I wasn't sure, you know, what part of the universe he was in. Like I said, I'm jumping into this as a new reader myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> so, with... Your part was the uh, the Modern Testament. Am I right on that? Yeah, Modern Testament was my series. Um, okay. Braden wrote Reclaiming Godhood, and Reclaiming Godhood gotcha. is is a typical comic in that it's a it's an ongoing story about Jupiter. He loses his quote unquote godhood, and he gets sent to Earth, and then he's gotta he's gotta find a way to reclaim his godhood. 
Well, he definitely has his godhood in modern godhood. <laughs> Stories is that we're not uh, you can you can not read Reclaiming Godhood at all, and you could just jump into modern godhood and just understand the character of Jupiter of what he is. He's a protector of the innocent. He's got powers. He's a badass warrior, and we wanted to to really find different mythological. Uh, characters from biblical mythology that are going to challenge him in in new and unique and interesting ways. I think you did a good job of spreading it out for sure. Between the three shorts that I read, I, I really dug it. And you know, you did the first and the third in the one shot. Am I right on that? Yeah. Well, the first one is completed. Um, Braden wrote the second one. We kind of all plotted them out together. But as far as the individual scripts, we broke it up. And then the third story, uh, we actually have a preview of the story. We haven't really okay completed it. I got an outline of it. And uh, we're running a poll during our Kickstarter to see we want backers and readers mm-hmm. who they want um, Jupiter to face. Because uh, I should kind of back up a little bit. It's, so what happens in the preview is that uh, the four horsemen have descended on the Earth and Jupiter confronts them. But one of them is going to step forward and actually challenge Jupiter to, to fight. So we want readers to decide who um, that horseman is going to be, whether it's famine War, conquest, death, or we do have an option for all four of them if you want to see Jupiter get outnumbered. I love it. I like when you uh, you, you leave the, the option up to the readers because, I mean, we all know <laughs> Death and the Family did that very infamous type of decision-making process, and we all know what happened there. <laughs> so, uh, no, I like that. I, li- I like taking a, taking a page, a classic page, one that hasn't been used in a very long time, actually. I like to do new and different things. You know, like uh, the point of comics I like is to challenge ourselves. And that's a lot different than a prose story where you're just putting words on a page. I mean, you could try to make it uh, fresh and and have a different take on it, but there's a lot more leeway with comics where you could play around with the medium and try to think outside the box and do things that you might not see in uh, other sorts of mediums and storytelling. For for sure. Uh, 100%. And that, well, that. That leaves a lot of options, too, when you do these, these anthology types of things where you have, you know, three stories within, uh, you know, 40 pages or whatever. Uh, that, that, that's good because, it, I don't know, I think, I think it's much more marketable showing uh, diversity and writing style, giving people that you may be trying to pitch different options that look, we, we could take the character in this direction, this direction, and this direction, give them a complete story all in a short amount of time. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know, I just, I just find that to be very marketable, especially if you were to maybe take things to the next level, go on screen, uh, even do, you know, uh, animated shorts, things like that. I just, I admire that style. I, I, I do like a bunch of quick, snappy stories, but at the same time, complete. I think it shows a lot of, well, I, I guess, skill in a writer. Not so many writers out there have to, you know, uh, f- fucking say so much to get their point across and in the long run most of it is i'm gonna go and say it's pointless in the long run about um my backlog in the beginning of the of the, of the interview and and yeah modern testament's really my only series but when i when i actually look at modern testament and the the complete um collection which is 15 stories i feel mm. like i accomplished a lot because every story to me from a process standpoint was a new project i kind of made a point i like it the same art team on a story so basically i finished one story i got to find a new uh, colorist i got to find a new penciler i got to start a script all over again and it, it was i really felt like i juggled all these multiple projects at once and even though they're all under the single umbrella of one title 
each one has a different flair to it, has a different feel to it, and a different style to it, which really does, and in the long run, in the, in the finished trade, it really does have a completely diverse feel to the book. You're, I, I, I'd have to agree just from what I read in this one shot here, man. Very, very, very diverse, that's for sure. And then that leads me to another question. I mean, you, you bring in ex other creators and artists and stuff for uh, individual stories. What's your process for finding all of these creators to bring in this project? How does that work out for you? So uh, social media is definitely uh, a blessing as far as networking and finding different people. Uh, the idea we have, or the process I have with Modern Testament, which I then take over into the, the crossovers, is that we definitely write the stories first. We definitely want to know uh, who the characters are going to be, what the tone of the story is going to be, the plot, the script, everything. And once we have it all down on paper, we then decide what kind of feel do we want the art to represent in this story. And then we go find an artist to try to, to try to exemplify that feel. So we're definitely not pairing with anybody and then trying to, to give something that they can work with. We're definitely, um, I guess, not putting the cart before the horse <laughs> or however yes, you so. look at it. We definitely, we, we definitely go out and find artists that we want to, to um, embody the type of feeling that each story has. Because as you say, they are definitely different. In far as far as the, the challenges Jupiter faces and, and what kind of story it is. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, and I'm sure you know. Let's. I'm gonna go ahead and say in uh, the, the the first little mini, there is a whole heap of nudity. There's not a whole lot of artists out there that are gonna just go out and draw all them boobies willy nilly. So I mean, uh, you that, things like that really kind of narrow down the pot too. So I would it makes things just. I mean, did was that challenging for you all, or did, did you just find someone right off the bat? I mean, I don't know. I, I can't see a whole lot of people out there really that would be super willing to i mean some of that stuff was pretty pretty uh yeah um that was actually all the artists and <laughs> we kind of put it in this no kidding yeah we wanted to curtail it a bit but i definitely i definitely give artists free reign if they want to if they want to um uh, put something out there or do something in a certain way that they wanted to do so it was completely un up to him how much he wanted to show in that regard, and he, he certainly, Kieran is a great artist, and he certainly felt comfortable in, in putting it the way he wanted to. I didn't really, I didn't really force it upon him, so. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, do you, are you, I mean, I don't want to put anything negative out there, but uh, do you, if you have, if you, let's say you did have aspirations to go on and get this published after it has been funded with Kickstarter, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, do, you, do you worry that that's going to narrow things down, or are you confident there's enough indie publishers out there that have no problem showing that type of, uh, you know, graphic storytelling? You know what, I'm not, it's not really a concern, I would say. I mean, I, the book really is, the, the creation of the book itself is really our ultimate goal. So we're going to put it on Kickstarter. If people see it on Kickstarter and they want to back it and get it, they'll certainly be able to do so. And but we didn't do, we didn't make any decisions uh, with a publisher in mind. If you find right a publisher for it, that's gonna that's gonna want to put it out there. Great. If not, you know we live in a great day and age where we uh, people have great direct ways to to their readers and to their audiences. So definitely nobody's gonna suffer because I feel that they won't have access to the book if we're able to to give it to them. Cool. No, and that, that's that's what I expected to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, just, there's there's plenty of publishers out there too that have no problem. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Money Shot, but <laughs> that, that 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 book goes all of the way. 
all of the way. Nine, 9.9 yards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're definitely out there. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, uh, like I said, I don't want to be sound discouraging by any means, but I was just wondering if that was something you had in mind when the time came. But it's good to know that you're more worried about getting the book out there and created than you are about having somebody else's logo on the front of your book. That, that to me, shows all the more, uh, well, dedication to this craft. And we all know that if you want to be successful in comics, you have to love it 100%. Yeah, I uh, I picked up. I'm a big Alan Moore fan, so I picked up his new Namicon. I don't know if you ever read that. No. So it's basically he wanted to tackle. He called. I didn't read this about it until after I read the book. So basically, he called H.P. Lovecraft a prude. So he wanted to write an H.P. Lovecraft story where he and fully embraces sex and nudity and all that fun erotic <laughs> stuff. So so knowing Alan Moore, he doesn't hold anything back. So definitely it definitely goes all out in that in that regard so um so yeah it's out there and certainly publishers as far as um independents are concerned they don't shy away from that kind of stuff nice oh no you're and you're right i i agree i i 100 agree there's <laughs> there's plenty of room for it and that's the beautiful thing about independence and now um i'm not sure if you're aware but it, news was breaking today as we record this podcast that dc is pursuing options for um, uh, multiple distribution type of situations. So they're thinking about demonopolizing Diamond if they ever do jump back into it. And the... F yeah. They're not sitting back on their heels and they're waiting, which has drawn a lot of mixed reactions, uh, I guess, within the industry. Yeah, yeah. The fa I mean, we can. We, that's a whole other conversation we can get into. But the, the fact is, is that, you know, that... The first thing that came to mind when uh, it, w it wasn't okay, maybe Diamond's not going to be demonopolized. Uh, de Jesus Christ, I can't fucking say that sentence to save my life right now. But uh, the, the big thing is, is uh, the doors it opens up for small-time publishers or indie creators that can't get through to the direct market because so-and-so publisher, uh, you know, with three books a month or three books a year coming out can't get signed with Diamond, you know, now there's a chance. I'm not saying that it's all happening now, but there's a, a so much more of a chance now that, you know, like I said, the Diamond may not necessarily be the way to go. And uh, as someone that supports the Indies more than anything, I, I, I'm excited for books like Modern Godhood. And these these Kickstarter books that you know it's right now there's probably not a whole lot of publishers jumping on signing books with the whole pause you know it's probably not probably not easy to pitch this book yeah it, I mean it's an it's an, definitely an interesting time for multiple fronts um, on one end you have Diamond who I'm certainly I'm not a fan of and I'm just not a fan of monopolies in general so they've really gotten comfortable in their position as being the the extreme mm. gatekeeper of the almost three. 30 years, man. Almost 30 years. That's that's terrible. So um, demonopolizing is definitely a great thing. At the But at the other end of the spectrum, you have a lot of stores that are shutting down right now and and are, and are struggling. And it seems like DC is kind of leaving them in the dust with their decision and is turning their back on them. So it's it's you got to you got to weigh the decisions here and there's no right answer. It's just kind of figuring it out. And and it'll be uh, interesting to see who survives when the, the ashes clear and people try to pick themselves up and keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a whole conversation in itself. And a big question, a big question with this whole DC thing, which I really haven't 
had the chance to get into in full detail yet, but, you know, I'll get into that at another time. But, yeah, no, this is, uh, I'm trying to look at the silver lining out of all of this, because I, I definitely understand the concern. I do. That's a, it's, a, it's a massive concern. But the silver lining really is, is there's just the potential for more indies to, to be seen and distributed directly to the market now. Granted, like I said, obviously there's been no names or any, any other details mentioned at this point, but just the idea gives me the warm and fuzzies. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for, like I said, books like Modern Godhood and all of that good stuff. There's tons of indies out there that deserve a shot at the direct market. The, there's no shortage of indie creators that are chomping at the bit to have their chance to appeal to a bigger audience and, yeah, it's, for, and it's not easy it really is not easy to break into the the comics world and to to draw attention away from spider-man and batman and, and properties that people are familiar with that really drive them to the comic story every week. yeah well and that's why i'm thankful for uh some of the uh, the, the the you know tv spots like the boys and the walking dead and all of that shit you know whether or not it's good it, gr it draws an audience and then people realize oh this is based off a comic book well when did marvel do the walking oh there's comics outside what and then that's when pe that's how people find indie comics so i'm so grateful for all of these spin-off shows as long as people are made aware which, unfortunately, there's not enough of these TV shows saying in the beginning, you know, there's not like there's a Marvel page-turn opening credit scene or a DC whatever superhero montage with these indie books, you know, um, to, to make people aware and, you know, remind them that, hey, motherfucker, this is a comic. The Boys, the greatest show of 2019, a fucking comic book. So many people don't know that. Um, now, and once they are made aware, uh, yeah. No, then then they know what comics are really about, and that is the indie market thing and books that you're just not gonna get out of DC and Marvel, and that once again brings me back to modern godhood, because yeah, I mean it's I guess if you you know blur a couple of things out here and there, I mean sure I I could see you know uh, definitely Jupiter becoming a, a mainstay in the universe. It's a cool fucking character. I've, I you know as soon as I read him, it was awesome. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm really getting ahead of myself here. I'm actually gushing is what's going on. I'm, I'm excited about this book. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. I would have definitely agree with you that there's awesome. There's so many properties right now that are getting adapted from comic books, especially Netflix is, is not shying away from it. You got lock and key. Oh yeah. was another great book. Um, I just had one on my, Oh, uh, umbrella Academy. There you mm -hmm. got one. So there's yeah, been man, a lot man. of great ones, but at the same time, I see a lot of uh, creators that are creating comics with the hopes of, and just basically as a stepping stone, because they think that their property is going to be great as a video game or as a movie or or as a TV show, and they're not really making it the comic simply because they think it will be a great comic book, which is flooding the market with a lot of uh, mediocre um, creative endeavors. I would say. I, I totally get that, and that just makes the it makes it much harder for a creator like yourself with a good property to get discovered. I, I totally understand that frustration there. Um, Plus, minuses to everything, and uh, there's unintended consequences to everything. So we got to take the good with the bad and try to and try to figure it out. I I I I, I, I totally understand, but I also believe that the cream will rise to the top. 
I, I, I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, you know, it may take a little bit longer uh, to sift through the bullshit, but I, I do believe that the cream will rise to the top. So you know what it's also about? It's also about persistence and consistency because people yes. for that people that are that are looking for that quick uh, avenue to success with their comic. They're not going to be around for too long. So if you continue to see the same name over and over again, creating books, putting out books, not getting discouraged, and 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 staying at it, then you you will see though, oh, this person's for real. He's not here just to kind of to get to the next level. He's making comics because he loves comics, and that and that's yep, kind of yep. what it's all about. Yeah, no, that's and that's what's going to separate the books that do well, uh, and it's going to be the creators that are doing it because they love comics, not because they want to make money because we all know there's no money in comics there's just not that's i mean that's the big joke that anybody's been here long enough can kind of understand yeah uh yeah and anybody that gets into it for money is doing it for the wrong you could get into it for fame nothing wrong with getting in, into it for fame there's nothing wrong with that but if you're getting into it for money you're hoping amc's cutting you a royalty check in 10 years you're out of your fucking mind it's just, <laughs> you're, you're doing it for the wrong, you're not going to create that comic. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible to do, but if that's why you're doing it, you're not creating that. I highly doubt that Robert Kirkman, what's up? Uh, it's like the old SNL thing when people go to uh, that famous comedy club, I forget what it's called, and they, say, and they do stand-up, the, the one where everybody that goes to this comedy club and, and, takes the, and becomes a part of their troupe gets on SNL, and they, they all, all the youngins who go there say, how do I get on SNL? And they say, you got on SNL by not trying to get on SNL. Mm -hmm. That's how you get a, a three-picture movie deal. You get one by not trying to get one. Yep. Just, you're, you're, you're right. You just make your damn comic, you make the best one you can, and uh, if you try to make a good property, it becomes popular, that's, that's how you find success. You don't, you don't try to... You don't get to the end of the forest not by looking through the trees. You get there by, by walking uh, by walking <laughs> path. Damn right, man. Um, these are all things I know, and I'm glad to hear it from your mouth that you know these things too. And that gives me much more faith in modern godhood, man. And your 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 uh, <laughs> excuse me, all of your IPs, every everything that you do from here on out. It, it tells me as a new creator you're doing it for the right reasons, and I. Just had to dig that out of you. That's my job, man. You gotta make sure that I'm talking to the right people here. You gotta get, uh, you gotta take some lumps in order to <laughs> have that lesson drilled into your head. I I'm sure you've taken some lumps. You want to talk about some lumps you've taken? Maybe give some aspiring uh, creators a, a lesson or two. I mean, what was what was the the most recent one that you just had to pick yourself up from? Talk about a big one, and this ties into to modern godhood too. So. Uh, my my the first modern testament book was published maybe 2015 and it was with a short-lived publisher named insane comics and that they uh, were big on the convention scene in the midwest they had a bunch of titles dozens of titles and um yeah if you walk by their booth at a convention you would see all these titles in their racks but um when they first launched in 2015 Mead and Braden, his book reclaiming godhood uh our two books were part of their first line of books that they published it was just us two so we were kind of in on the ground floor, and we were proud because they were both our first books, and they got published. And um, and the publisher said, uh, were you planning on doing any more of these Modern Testament books? And I said, not really, but maybe. I mean, there's all, I'm always open to them. He goes, yeah, man, do them. I'll, I'll put them out for you. So my one-shot Modern Testament turned into a series. I eventually did four books, and I put them all together into a trade, and he was going to uh, publish them. And I said, do you mind if I run a Kickstarter for the trade just to kind of to, to gain some 
some traction and some and some notice for it. And he goes, sure, man, go for it. And I was a week away from launching, and I said, is everything good? And he said, yeah, everything's great. Go ahead, launch. And then the very next day, he announced online that he was shutting down the publisher, and he decided not to not to mm-hmm. tell any of its creators. So, um, so Braden and I, we kind of, uh, we were no longer part of this, this publisher in Sane Comics, but we were still, the best part of being with the publisher wasn't getting our books out there, but it was meeting all the other creators that were under its umbrella. Which uh, I mentioned, Hollow Girl was Luke Cooper's book. I met him through that too, and and Braden and I we started talking even though the publisher wasn't around anymore, and that's how we we got Modern Godhood going. So, basically, the moral of the story is longer is that uh, you have to worry about you. You can't really worry about publishers. You can't really worry about anybody else kind of pushing you forward. You always got to step forward and um, try to find success in your own. Damn right, man. And I think people could take that, that knowledge and use it in plenty of other spaces outside of making comic books as well. That's a damn good lesson. And <laughs> having it means that now I've heard you've learned this lesson once again and instills my faith that much more in the man that is Frank Martin as a comic book creator. Because I had the same thing happen to, on the flip side, with my very first novel. I was The, the publisher didn't, didn't fold. But he, uh, the, the publisher signed a whole bunch of different uh, of novels, and my first one happened to be it. And, and then at some point down the line, they initiated some sort of clause in the contract where they completely renegotiated the terms, and there was a big uproar. So a bunch of the, the authors ended up leaving, and, and my book wasn't published with that publisher. So yeah, it's kind of the same lesson in a, a different story in that you really have to, as a creator, you have to worry about you. And you, you, you can get help along the way. But you don't want to overly rely on anybody because um, at, at the end of the day, it's going to be you who's going to have to step forward and find success. Uh, agreed. Right on, man. Well said. Well said. And I'm sure there's plenty of uh, aspiring creators right now that are uh, jotting notes down profusely. Hopefully not while they're driving. But uh, <laughs> hopefully they're taking mental notes because that is definitely a, a, a lesson to be learned. Um, so... Ah, Modern Godhood. Uh, how we're going to get it? We're going to get it through Kickstarter. Why don't you tell us about this Kickstarter campaign? So, yeah, the Kickstarter campaign is essentially for a small uh, print run of the book. We're trying to recoup a couple of the art costs. Uh, but mainly what we want to do is we want to get it printed. We want to get it into backers' hands. And we want to just have a, uh, a couple copies for me and Brayden for when we the convention scene eventually picks up. Uh sometime in the in the uh undetermined future in the undetermined future yeah <laughs> Shit. Uh, well that is part of the campaign we're offering uh besides the book itself we're offering some things like uh parts of his reclaiming godhood series as far and and my modern testament series we're having some offering some commissions as far as being involved as cameos in Re- reclaiming godhood um book we're having the the cover artists do some commissions as well so we got a bunch of fun stuff and uh and yeah, man, we got, I got some previews up on the page of the stories, and there's also access to the poll that I talked about earlier that you can take and decide who uh, Jupiter fights in the last story. All right, all right, right on, man, right on. Well, I will, uh, I'm going to make sure, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do you a favor on account of what, this, this Kickstarter starting on April 1st, uh, that's correct, April 1st, right? Yeah, it's going to launch on April 1st, and it's going to go throughout the entire month of April, so if it's April, then it's running. All right. Well, on account of one of my episodes, 
per week having to take a dive on account of there's no new comics out there, I'm going to slide you way forward in the slot and make sure that this episode runs for as much of April as possible. So, um, for sure, because this is a book that I'm confident will will get funded. Um, and, you know, I, I'm hoping that my excitement is portrayed through this, this audio right now, because I am legitimately excited about this. And as I'm not sure if I had the chance to tell you, but as a lot of my, my listeners know, I wait uh, as, as close to the, the moment of recording as possible to read these books. And that makes it very difficult for me. Um, because I, I want to read these books as soon as I get them. But I want the emotion and the excitement to be as raw and pure as possible. And I could say I read this book, I don't know, two or three hours ago. So, yes, it's very, very raw. And uh, this is uh, real excitement. It, it, it genuinely is. As soon as I saw this character and what he was about, I was all about it. Uh, I, I, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm usually not a fan of, you know, over-sexualized whatever in my comics. That's just not my flavor. So um, I, I was uh, just a bit off-put at first because I think it's like the first panel. There's a little bit of nipple and I was like, uh-oh, what am I reading? But as it continues on, I'm like, oh shit, this, this isn't about boobies at all. This is about so much more. This is, this is not smut. This is a real, a real cool story. Um, let's, uh, I want to dive into that for a little bit. So, um, the, the idea behind that is in the second story, um, we have Jupiter who faces off against the beast, the beast of revelation. And that story is a huge superhero type slugfest where Jupiter is mm -hmm. fighting this huge monster and there's a lot of action to it. And we didn't want every single story to be like that. We didn't want a physical foe that's going to challenge Jupiter and that they just punch each other back and forth. So I wanted uh, some a character that's really going to challenge Jupiter in a different way. And uh, a biblical being that really jumped out at me, who I wanted to do the story with for a while, was Lilith, who, who people who know their biblical mythology was uh, Adam's first love in the Garden of Eden, who was eventually kicked out and has been the, the subject of so many different stories, in, mm -hmm. like Sabrina on, on Netflix, and she, uh, there was a form of Lilith in True Blood, too. So um, she's a very sexualized character. And, and she, the way she challenges Jupiter and confronts him is totally different than the way the Beast does. So that's kind of why we have those two different stories in there, to, to add diversity and different ways in which our hero uh, struggles and fights. I love it. I love it. And then I, I, I realized, you know, after reading it, it was, it was it, that's what it was. It wasn't just about, hey, let's see what we can get, a, get away with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, <laughs> it, no, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, that shock rock type of stuff. It was so much more than that. And you pulled me in. Um, and I mean, I was even talking with my girlfriend. I was like, uh-oh, I got sent more smut. This should be interesting. And that's, no. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I got, I, I loved it. I did. I, I loved it all, man. Like I said, you did the, the, the first and the third story in this. So if, if you were to give uh, a 30 second pitch on, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to get your Kickstarters involved. How do you describe this book? I describe this book as a mashup of fantasy and mythology, so um, lovers of Constantine or Ghost Rider or Lucifer are definitely going to like this book and seeing different types of mythological creations clash in new and interesting ways that they haven't seen before. I love it. 
Uh, damn, uh, you did it in 12 seconds. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I love it, man. Um, yeah, you, I mean, I know that you, you didn't give me a whole lot when you shot it over, when you, know, when you said, hey, let's do this. And I actually enjoyed that. I do. I like going into things blind. Um, because, I mean, I have no problem being the first to say it wasn't for me, but I also know that even if something isn't for me, that it's still for someone else and that doesn't just because it's not for me doesn't mean I shouldn't have the creator on there so that's why I, I'm still okay with waiting for the last moment or until the last moment to read it I know a lot of people would argue with me on that because of that but the fact is that I did still love it so I mean I, I could say with with all all truth in my voice man modern godhead is going to to fund <laughs> what, uh, what what is your goal on that Oh shit, dude! You, you could find that on the streets of New York. You got this, man. You got this. So yeah, I tried to. I like to. We everybody likes to play around with the fun, the fun and goals. So all twos, I figured would, would be, uh, would be fun and nice to play with. But it's definitely interesting times. You got a lot of creators that are that are weighing their options whether or not it's even worth launching right now. So uh, it doesn't seem to be to be causing anybody any unknown undue stress or undue troubles. But uh, everybody gets those pre-Kickstarter jitters, so you can't help but uh, but wonder. Oh no, this is going to be the hardest month of your life. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, this this is <laughs> you're going to pull your hair out, and, but in the end, you're going to be insanely happy. I'm I'm sure of it. Um, now, to just to kind of give you a little bit of insight here, uh, comic buying online is doing extremely well because that's what I do as a day job. I work in a comic book warehouse, the world's largest comic book warehouse, and we are shipping out more books than we've ever done before. Because for one, most people can't go into stores and buy them, and two, people are still getting their taxes back right now. So they have all of this disposable income and no place to spend it. Uh, there's no movies to be absorbed. Netflix. Everybody's seen Netflix already. Everybody's seen all of that. So, comic books, man, and that's, uh, during this month, while we are on lockdown still, uh, by federal mandate at this point, uh, dude, I think your chances are really good. I think there's a lot of money burning, a lot of holes in a lot of pockets, and people are fiending for new entertainment, and, you know, with there being no new books coming out, feed us indies. Because this is going to be how we get our books right now, is these indies. I mean, this is a guarantee. You guys are doing it. You know, who? if Diamond never publishes again and that whole thing with DC uh, is a complete bullshit thing and we never see printed comics again, this is going to be how we get our printed comics, or people like you doing it yourself, through these Kickstarter things. So, if they're, you know, I know the whole thing right now is support small businesses, support fucking artists right now too and i'm talking to the listeners so uh frank martin man this is uh i i have full full confidence in your kickstarter sure thing uh now um i like to do well you know what i want to i want to what, what do you have further goals and aspirations beyond just you know pumping out the things you love i mean what do you what are your aspirations in comics do you want to have this thing be your legacy as far as um, uh, uh, your, your your testament run? Or, I mean, do you have other ideas in the pipeline? Or Definitely. The, my problem is is that as a creator, I'm always creating and never releasing. So 
Mm. I always finish something, especially when it comes to novel writing, because I finish a novel and then I go into the next one and then I'm like, oh shit, I got to find a publisher for this. I forgot, I forgot about that. So, <laughs> so comics is a little different, obviously, because it takes a lot more time and there's a lot more people involved. So you, you can't really forget to release a comic. But yeah, I got tons of stuff that I'm working on and I'm not, I don't really pigeon my whole, myself into, into one genre or, or another. My, nice. I really like to create what my tastes are, which run the gamut of really everything, sci-fi, adventure, uh, crime, drama, horror. So, so yeah, I got tons of stuff that I'm working on. Um, Modern Testament is, is definitely my baby because it was my first thing, and I love doing these crossovers and collaborating with other creators. But I don't think when it's all said and done and I look back on my career that it's going to be the, the, the driving force that I was really the, the utmost passionate about. But, but right now, it's got my complete and undivided attention. I love it. Right on, man. That's that's good to hear. I, I like I like knowing that it, an artist is capable of branching out beyond one one genre. That's for sure. Um, it's very funny because I, I talk about this with other creators. It's that this the cyclical lifestyle, uh, or I should say, the cyclical life of a uh, a comic creator is that in order to get to Marvel or DC to get your your name out there and to get popular, you have to write indie books and you have to do creator in books and start your own original stories and then after you become you you get marvel dc's attention and you get popular writing their characters you do that in order so you can get a fan base and then go out and start writing your own original work again so so it's definitely uh it's definitely a a, a journey that i that i hope one day i'll find find myself on oh i have faith i have faith um, well, Frank, there's a certain thing I like to do towards the end of every podcast, and I'm all about picking picking the brains of you creators, man. I like to know, I just, I, I don't know if, uh, well, um, um I, I live very dangerously. <laughs> um, well, I like to do a little bit of word association here. And it gives me something to ponder over as we, we leave the podcast, give something to listeners to ponder over and, you know, dissect what they can of what, what they pull out of this here thing. So I like to throw out five words real rapid. What's that? Putting me on the spot here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's the point. Hey, you don't You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. What, what yep. Oh, yeah. No, I have no time to think here. Um, so I'm going to throw out five questions and the first word or phrase that comes to your mind. And they're all going to be, you know, three of the questions are uh, three questions I always use. They're pretty standard, but two of them pertain specifically to you. So um, first word is hero. Uh, big. All right. Legacy. I lo- no, that's that gives us. See, these are the. This is why I do that. And when a creator says, "I don't know why I said that," I love the answer that much more, because it gives me all the more things to just chew on uh, when it's all said and done. I, I do. I really like to know what's going on in the brains of the creators that are creating the things that I like, because I don't know. It's just, maybe I'm just a psychopath. I don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I get something out of it, so I, I still do it, whatever. <laughs> but I, 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 I like that answer, though. Big and hero, that works well. Uh, legacy is the next word. Uh, long. Right. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. No, dude, I, no, these are some of, so far, you already have two of some of my favorite answers. Um, onomatopoeia. Uh, confusing. Haha. Uh, diamond. Socks. 
Yes. And villain. Awesome. I fucking love these answers, man. I do. Uh, and, and don't don't everybody is self conscious about their answers. Every single person I've thrown these out, they've all been like, "Why the fuck? What? What? No, another try. Let me get another. No, it's and this is why I do it the way I do it." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I, I like to I like to see how you how uh, creators' brain thinks under pressure. And what happens? You start thinking of a sophisticated word, and it doesn't come to your brain. And then you just say, like, a shortened version of it. <laughs> you get the Porky Pig, you know, I, I I totally get it, man. It's Porky Pig Syndrome is what I call it. You, <laughs> you got a word and you can't spit it out and then just, whatever, I'll just say this instead. It's easier. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, Frank, I really, really enjoyed this, this conversation, man. I got a lot of faith in what you have coming to you. Um, uh, I love this one shot. I have all of the faith in this Kickstarter. I would imagine that you guys would have set such a higher, higher goal because I know, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure what this book is capable of. So it's definitely going to fund, man. You got this. I can tell you for sure that me and my people are going to, we're, we're on it. We're definitely on it. I appreciate that. I, I like to get things printed and, and, and out there. Right? So, uh, that, those are the goals that we set. If it goes above that and, and finds, uh, more audience and, and bigger success, all the better to it. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping that's just more motivation for you, man. More fuel for your fire, because I know that you got a lot burning on there, man. You really do. Um. So, Frank, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to plug? Any social media? How do we get a hold of you? What's what's yeah? What's, how do we get a hold of Frank Martin? Uh, very simple. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at the, under the handle at at Frank the Writer. And uh, my website is frankthewriter.com, too. So Frank the Writer is pretty much the, the easiest way you can find me. And I'll be pushing the, once the Kickstarter goes live, we'll be all over that social media. So you can find it uh, on all those various avenues. Oh, you're going to see a whole, I mean, you're going to be smothered by Cheers to Comics on the social media, man. Uh, consider yourself followed on all of those levels. Um, yeah, I'm here to champion your cause, man. Uh, I'm sure that a couple of the Slurred Army, at least, is going to be all up in this. I know that I am. I know that I am. Um, and like I said, I'm going to fast track the, the production of this episode to make sure it gets up in time. I know it's not super nice of me uh, to some other creators, but you, you got shit to create and the world's coming to an end right now. So let's make sure that the stuff that has the potential to be created is out there. Because all these other people on the back burner, we all know who they are. We all love them already. So, yeah, they don't they don't need me. <laughs> I'll have to come on again and then you could be one of those people. I could be one of those people you push me back just to make it even. Hey, how you doing? My name is Joey Galvez and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the 143 Podcast Network to check out all our shows that range from collecting, music, all things geek, all under one roof, right here on the 143 Podcast Network, partnering with Age of Radio. Check us out.
I'm glad you didn't forget about me. You're a popular guy. I had to. I actually, I'm uh, fun fact. I actually scheduled this interview in 2016. So it's it's. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, 2016 for sure. I, I didn't even know what a podcast was, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to that Frank Martin one of these days, and I don't know how. Let's mark it, let's mark it for the 30th of March, 2020. <laughs> and fucking A, what do you know? You hit me up like five weeks ago, and I was like, hey, it's time to do that thing. And here we are. <laughs> oh, Frank, in all seriousness, man, this really has been a lot of fun. Uh, please stay safe out there on the east coast because i know it's fucking nuts dude um yep, uh, i can't get uh governor cuomo off my tv uh dude uh, just turn off your tv and just start writing we all you're good at, you're really really good at it just keep doing it thanks sir uh all right man uh we'll we'll be in touch well like i said um we'll be all over your your kickstarter campaign so you'll be seeing a lot of cheers to comics and you sir stay safe you too all right, man. Cheers. All right. There you have it. Slurs another creator corner in the books. Frank Martin. He's a hell of a feller. I tell you what. Make sure you jump on his Kickstarter campaign. I'll have all the links in, this, in the description up for that. Uh, as we record this podcast now, the Kickstarter currently is not a going, but as the Kickstarter, by, by the time this episode airs, it will be fully functional. So, once again, Slurred Army, jump all up on it. Follow Frank at Frank the Writer and then FrankTheWriter.com on all social media platforms. So, <sighs> I enjoyed the shit out of this interview. There was a lot to be taken in, a lot to be learned by any aspiring creators out there. It's always fun to get a, another creator's perspective on their, on their process. That's... I just love picking these brains, man. I love picking these brains. So, um, I would like to remind you, during these dire times, it is a time to support things. Support the little guys. Support indie creators. Support Kickstarters. As we know, you can't get a Kickstarter. It's hard to get a comic book right now in print. These are the guys that are still capable of doing it. The guys that aren't under the threshold that is diamond. So, yes. Um, support 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 this podcast support this podcast uh by becoming a patron patreon.com slash cheers to comics that money is well spent i promise you it just goes into the further development and production and quality of this podcast uh there's so close to getting an, an equipment upgrade right now so fucking close and that relies on patron donations yes do that uh, also, help this podcast by leaving reviews. I know reviews may seem petty and pointless, but well, that's not the case at all. The overlord that is Apple Podcasts demands that if a podcast is to be successful, it must be rated five stars, and a shit ton of people must do it. That's just how the algorithms works, people. It's not my rules. That's theirs. Uh, so, whether or not you're an, an Apple supporter or not, uh, please take the time rate this podcast, and anywhere else you find the ability to rate this podcast, it still helps, whether, it doesn't matter if it's Apple's algorithm or not, you know, if it's, it's big in one, one podcatcher, then I'm happy with that, but Apple is really the big one, if it catches on an Apple, it'll catch on everywhere else, so, take the time, 
Um, yes, what else? Oh, uh, during the month of April, I am giving free ad spots to any local comic book shop out there. So, if, uh, you know, you know, hit me up. If you guys got a podcast, or if you have a podcast, a local comic book shop that, you know, you're, you're in fear of right now during these weird, crazy times and no diamonds and all of that, just tweet me, if, uh, join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash cheers to comics, I believe, or group slash cheers to comics. There's a page as well. But yes, just find me anywhere on social media and let me know what your shop is and I, you know, any information you can give me about them. And I'll do my best, play my part in, in supporting local comic book shops, whether they're mine or not. But speaking of comic book shops that are mine, is mine. <laughs> Uh, Mile High Comics, they are doing something tremendous for the Denver community, but uh, they're not limiting anything. Uh, there are no standards or stipulations as to what they're doing. Uh, Mile High Comics, if you're not aware, is a huge part of feeding Denver's hungry. Chuck is an extremely generous person. I'm going to try not to get choked up as I do this ad read, because the guy is just super fucking nice. And, um, and I'm not just saying that because he signs my paycheck. I'm really not. I work there because of the nice things he does. And he is doing a tremendous thing for the Denver community. He's, uh, next door to the comic book warehouse is the hub for Den feeding Denver's hungry. So, um, if you're in the Denver area or you are someone in need, and it, you don't have to be low income, Chuck and Feeding Denver's Hungry is opening their doors to everybody. Anybody that can use a helping hand right now during these times. It's all sponsored. You know, I can't say it's all sponsored. That is not truthful at all. But uh, My High Comics is playing a huge part in this by doing these five pound. Uh, grab bag boxes that you can get on milehighcomics.com and a good portion, a huge portion of all of those boxes goes towards uh, donations for Feeding Denver's Hungry. I think they get uh, the, the food um, costed at a nickel a dollar or something like that, so every box funds like, I don't remember the exact math that Chuck was telling me, but it's a stupid amount of money in food the each individual box gets and i could say from uh <laughs> uh just take my word for it the books going into these boxes are not junk i have seen firsthand what's going in there you guys are getting a steal it's an absolute steal so jump on milehighcomics.com and not only does it support a local comic book shop but it supports uh, just a, a great cause. It really does. Um, and like I said, any other comic book shop out there, you don't have to be doing something on that level. It's hard to get to that level as far as uh, uh, generosity goes. It's damn near impossible. But like I said, if it's just you're, you're, you're afraid for your comic book store, and fuck, if you just want to hear their name on a podcast, and uh, there, there's now's the opportunity. Um, tell me where they're from, tell me what their name is, and I will bring awareness to their shop. <sighs> I'm doing all I can, guys. I can't do much. I can't do much. Uh, that's, that's why I need patrons, because I don't have a whole lot of money. <laughs> um, I really don't. But, that's, uh, that's, that's not, that's not the thing. The thing is, is we just gotta all help each other right now. All help each other, so. Ah. Uh, so uh, the the more ways I find, the more ways I'm gonna shout out. 
I'm rambling now at this point. Admittedly, I gotta say that the uh, pineapple vodkas have done their job. This has been a podcast. It has been an interview. I hope you slurds are staying very healthy. (sighs) Read responsibly, fuckers. Cheers. Hey, this is Liz. Hey, this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We are talking Star Wars, Star Trek, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbeam, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. See you soon.